0: Tom Bernard Show with Andy Bernard and Mike Molina. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company. And they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Time to take a look. I I don't know if you guys saw this story or not, but it's uh, it's pretty disturbing, actually. The public address system had been turned off and exits illegally blocked during the horrific fire at a Russian mall that left at least 64 people dead, many of them children, investigators say. Authorities looking into the fire in the Siberian city of Kamerovo, says a security guard turned off the PA system after being told of the fire. Reuters reports it was unclear why, and they plan to bring him in for questioning. In addition, a criminal investigation has been opened. Four people have been detained so far, including fire safety technicians at the mall and the owner of the business where the fire started, the BBC reports. Investigators also plan to bring in the mall's owner for questioning. Serious violations took place when the mall was being built and when it was functioning, says a spokesperson for Russia's investigative committee. The cause of the fire remains unclear. Video shows people trapped inside the mall attempting to break down a fire exit door. There are also reports that a fire extinguisher did not work when the blaze initially broke out, that fire alarms stayed silent and sprinklers did not come on, and that security guards kept children from escaping down staircases. An unofficial list uh, circulating on Russian media says more than 20 children died. Heartbreaking details from inside the mall are starting to come out. We are burning. I love you all. This is perhaps farewell, a 13-year-old girl said on a mobile phone message. Oh, my God. i would like to get that message? Hey, we're burning. I love you all. This is perhaps farewell, a 13-year-old girl. A father who lost all three of his daughters says they called to say they were trapped inside a theater as it filled with smoke and the doors were locked. When he tried to save them, rescuers wouldn't give him a respiratory mask. My daughters were left to burn because of their bloody rules. Aren't you glad you don't live in Russia?
1: (laughs) Yes. I
0: mean, honest to God.
1: If you're going to die in an accident like that, it's going to be in Russia or China. For some reason, those two countries just can't figure out general safety.
0: You know, another thing about that is I, I just, I love it when people like, Oh, socialism, it's so wonderful. We, we need to become a socialist society. Yeah, because it works so well in Russia. Communism and socialism is basically the same thing. Russia Cuba, Venezuela, it's really kicking ass down there, isn't it, when they became a socialist nation? Yeah, it's
1: a hard position to defend.
0: Why do people insist that socialism is the route to take?
1: College students all think that they know how to make everything work. They're just smarter than everyone else, and they can be the ones to make the system work.
0: Uh, It's just absolutely unbelievable to me that, 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 that every one of these societies fails miserably, horribly. Uh, look at, in in England right now, that's pretty much a semi-socialist nation Yeah, anyway. England's having some problems. They're having huge problems with their economy. And, uh, oh, you broke your leg? Well, we might be able to get you into surgery in about, oh, six, seven months. It doesn't work, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody has to work. Everybody has to contribute. Socialist societies don't work. It'd be nice if they did.
1: It worked it, for like 10 years until the money ran out.
0: Yeah, until the money runs out. And
1: then, yeah, now they're... Uh... Yeah, there's a lot of bad stuffs happening over there. A lot of knife and acid attacks.
0: Yeah, because
1: if you take away people's guns, they're just going to find other weapons to kill each other with. No, that's exactly right. Because if someone wants to kill someone, they're going to kill them. That's that's what you need to stop.
0: That is exactly what it's all about. I I don't know. It's it's very very disturbing. That's all That's all I have to say. The one place where it does work is in Norway. Why does it work in Norway? Because Norway was failing miserably until the United States gave them the money to drill for oil. Once they started drilling for oil, then everybody had tons of money, and now socialism works. Why does it work? Because they were given the money to drill for oil.
1: Yeah, socialism is is
0: costly, is the thing. It's very, very costly.
1: If you run out of money, then uh, you got to switch.
0: Yeah, I don't know the whole thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but people keep arguing. They, oh, yeah, it's... uh, it's." Yeah, I know. It's a dream society. If it worked, it would be wonderful if we all lived together and everybody were treated the same. And it was all... That's not humanity. It's not how human beings operate. Okay?
1: No, it's very uh, naive to believe that anyone can be given that much power and not immediately start abusing it.
0: No question about it. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show
1: I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company
0: Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about flow docks. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side to side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy. My friends at Flow also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a Flow Dock and Lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at F-L-O-E-I-N-T-L dot com. Flow Docks and Lifts. A better way. Have liked this song. And it uh, kind of lopes along, but I don't know. It's got a good message, I guess. I guess that's why I like it so much. Molina as an Italian, Sicilian, you're not going to like this next story. I'll just Uh-oh. tell you that. About American students cooking pasta in Italy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Not good. A trio of American Exchange students made the unlikely mistake of trying to cook a pot full of pasta without actually adding any water.
1: Uh huh. They better have been on some synthetic drugs or something, because otherwise, they must have an IQ of 40.
0: They, honestly, these are American Exchange students. Students of what? How do you not know you're supposed to boil pasta in water? I mean, if you've ever had... It. Yeah, I mean, words,
1: it's not like... You don't have to be taught that there's a difference between something that's dry and wet.
0: That's, I wouldn't think so.
1: That's just uh, pretty self-explanatory, I'd think.
0: A trio of American exchange students made the unlikely mistake of trying to cook a pot full of pasta without actually adding any water. In fact, the mistake was so bad that the resulting flames forced the three panicked 20-year-olds to call the fire department, reports UPI. <laughs> The reason this is making international headlines: the students just happen to be studying in Italy, where the basic cooking gaffe with pasta was not has not gone over well. Notes Munchies, which uh, cites Choice comments at the Italian newspaper La Nazione. Uh, A return to the. <laughs> this is hilarious. Return to the USA to eat hamburgers and chips from McDonald's, (laughs) reads one typical sample. (laughs) On the flip side, local chef Fabio Picci uh, heard about the fiasco and took the opportunity to offer the women. Oh, there were women, too. All three were women. Offer the women free lunch and some basic cooking classes, as well as a lesson in transnational cooperation. I think this can be useful to them, but also to us. Understanding is what it's beautiful and necessary. Peachy said, No word yet on whether the invitation will be accepted. Notes travel and leisure. Why would you think so you take dry pasta and you put it in a pot and you turn on the flame. Where does the softness of the pasta come from?
1: Yeah. This is basically what I think of when I hear someone is backpacking across Europe or, you know, I'm going to go spend a month in Europe, you know, taking in the local culture. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you are.
0: I just I just don't understand why you would think you. First of all, obviously, none of the three of them had ever had pasta at their own house. They always whenever they ate pasta or maybe they never did go out to an Italian restaurant. Because you wouldn't see them cooking the pasta at a a restaurant. But maybe that didn't even happen. Because, And doesn't it say right on the package (laughs) you should cook it for 7 to 12 minutes or whatever? Yes. I mean, it says right. Well, they can't read Italian, I suppose. Uh, They can't read the Italian language, so they didn't know what it said on there. I thought, because we had a, a story earlier today that was talking about the best way to make pasta is when you're actually making it after you're done cooking the pasta itself, while you're making the sauce, you add you take a cupful of the water that the pasta was boiling in, set it aside, and slowly add it to the sauce while you're cooking it, because it doesn't have a bad taste. It's an emulsifier which will take the the, the sauce and the oil and it emulsifies it so it clings to the pasta. Because you notice sometimes when you have pasta, the sauce doesn't stay on the pasta. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's because they didn't add an emulsifier. Well, that that water that the pasta it cooked in is an emulsifier. So you pour little by little until you get the perfect texture. That's what I thought the story was going to be about, and then I find out in the first line they didn't put any water. <laughs> <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, you're twenty years old. You got to know. There's <laughs> How can you be in college and not know <laughs> this really hard, long substance somehow <laughs> turned all curly and soft? But, I, did, I mean, you, would, you would at, at least you would think they steamed it, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah, I probably. Mean, just, Steaming would work. You can probably steam pasta if you really want to. Sure, if you want to steam pasta, you could steam pasta. But it had to be so bad that it caught fire. <laughs>
1: pasta is actually very flammable when it's dry.
0: I suppose it must be, but it's in a pot. So where did the flame get a hold of it? It just got so hot it burst into flames. Yeah,
1: I've had a stick of spaghetti like fall near the heating coil, and it just caught on fire.
0: Well, I Spaghetti's suppose. really flammable. I suppose that's true, but I just uh, I get twenty years old.
1: Yeah, I don't know how their parents. Well, I'm. If I had to guess, I would say trust fund kids. Parents are never home.
0: Oh, you think they
1: basically have lived their entire lives doing whatever they wanted on you know with daddy's credit card? Yeah,
0: I guess. guess.
1: How else do you end up like that? There's just no way
0: that you have no clue at all what the hell you're doing. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you don't know basic something basic like yeah how cooking works. You I mean, don't just like it's not just food plus heat equals better food.
0: So I mean would they think that oh you know what I'm going to bake a loaf of bread I'm going to throw a bunch of wheat into a pan and put it in the oven. Probably. I mean that's probably what they they thought. Oh, oh by the don't.
1: way if you put flour in uh, an oven or something it's going to blow up so don't yeah, do that at yeah, home. Yeah don't do
0: that at home either.
1: Flour is explosive as hell.
0: It is it's really explosive.
1: People don't know that but there have been like in flour uh
0: flour mills flour mills, mills, yeah. mills
1: that's it yeah. Uh, a spark ignites all the flower dust in the air, the whole place. Oh, yeah. Kaboom.
0: That will absolutely happen. There's no question about it. We do have to talk about it. We, you know, it's 10 days now. It used, to be, it used to be one week. And I guess if you go Thursday to Thursday, it still is one week because the opening day for Major League Baseball is this Thursday. And opening day for the, uh, the Masters is a week from Thursday. So uh, I suppose you can still say it's a week, but it used to be that the final four baseball season and the Masters all either started or ended within a seven-day period, and I guess it still does when you look at it that way. But uh, it's it's my favorite week of the year because first of all, you know, late or early spring, going through spring and then uh, early summer, it all starts this Thursday. Because even though it's only March 29th, because baseball season didn't used to start until the first week in April. That's when it started. It's now been moved up a, a, pretty much a week. Because baseball season, when I was a kid, uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about 162-game season like it is now. It used to start around the 2nd, 3rd, 4th of April, something like that. It, baseball season, if I remember correctly, used to start the Tuesday before the Masters, which would be the 2nd of April. But now it starts uh, on actually be the 3rd of April this year. So the Masters starts on the 5th, correct? Yep. I'm pretty sure that's it, yeah. But anyway, uh, so you got baseball season starting on Thursday, the, the 29th of March. You've got the Masters, which starts on the 5th a week later. But you also have the Final Four and the championship game in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Three teams that need no introduction, one from out of nowhere. Though the 2018 NCAA tournament produced the biggest upset in the history of the event, along with a seemingly less string, uh, endless string of wild finishes and unexpected results. Have you been watching it, Molina?
2: Yeah, I've been you know here and there, not too
1: much, but definitely pulling for uh, Loyola.
0: See, I get the same problem. Is all it reminds me of is what a failure Richard Pitino's been. Seriously. Once again, and I know he had some injuries and whatever, but he hadn't done a damn thing yet again. Minnesota hires the wrong guy. What a shock. <laughs> I would love to go to the – I remember that one year the Clem Haskins went to the Final Four, and what happened? <laughs> they yanked it because he cheated. Yeah. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Three teams that need no introduction, one from out of nowhere, though the 2018 NCAA tournament produced the biggest upset in the history of the event along with seemingly endless string of wild finishes and unexpected results. The final four will look very much like it has over the last handful of seasons. In one of next Saturday's semifinals, it's a barn burner of a matchup between top-seeded programs with rich histories, Villanova versus Kansas. Yeah, that'll be a hell of a game there in what will quickly become known as the other semifinal. It's an upstart versus another school that knows this road. Number 11, Loyola Chicago versus number 3, Michigan. Remarkable as Loyola's run and this tournament have been. This marks the fifth time over the last six seasons that three teams, seated one through four, have been joined by another seated seven or higher. And one of my favorite things is coming up in the second paragraph of this story. Sister Jean Dolores Schmidt. Yep. You know about her at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great story. Yes. Uh, what she gave up for Lent. We'll get to that. What What did you give up for Lent? The four previous times the underdog has bowed out in the semifinal. Why not us? Ramblers coach Porter Moser said, repeating his team's oft-used mantra this month. Uh, One he hopes can lead to yet another history-making upset. You have to have high-character guys that believe to truly do that, urged on by their 98-year-old nun. Have you heard her voice?
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: (laughs) She sounds like she's about 40. Yeah. Seriously. She sounds very young. Sister uh, Jean Dolores Schmidt, the Ramblers of the 4th, 11th seed to make college basketball's final weekend, joining LSU in 1986, George Mason 2006, VCU 2011. The teams will have trouble topping the show Kansas and Duke put on Sunday with the last spot in San, uh, in San Antonio up for grabs. The Jayhawks topped the Blue Devils 85-81 to 81 in overtime to send Kansas back to the site of its last national title. Uh, that was in 2008. But what I love, honestly, God, Sister Jean Dolores Schmidt, a 98-year-old nun that's, that's uh, pulling for Chicago Loyola, was asked what she gave up for Lent, and she said, Losing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a great line? Uh, I mean, it's just a wonderful line.
1: And remember a couple but, of weeks ago when we had him on, Brandon Lang told us about Loyola.
0: I know! Isn't that amazing? That's, I'm really glad you, you brought that up, but he said, Watch out for Loyola. Remember that, Andy? A couple of weeks ago.
1: Of course I don't.
0: Of course he doesn't because he doesn't pay attention. Loyola,
1: uh, I, I thought that's what you used to cook with.
0: Yes, Loyola. No, that will be you put oil. a
1: tablespoon of Loyola in there.
0: There you go. <laughs> Keeps the pan
1: from sticking.
0: But I hope for sister Eugene Dolores Smith, sister Jean, I hope 98-year-old sister Jean sees what she wants to see. I don't know. Obviously, you don't give Chicago Loyola much of a chance of winning the national championship, but who knows? Nope. Who knows? Mike, did you ever attempt to look for the weepy voice killer, the actual recording of the weepy voice killer we were talking about earlier?
2: Uh, no, not yet.
0: Well, you haven't had a chance to look uh. for it yet. We, I want to get that on. Maybe on tomorrow's show we can play it.
1: Yeah, we were going to do it out, out of Kostaki, but, you know.
0: There was no out of Kostaki. Yeah, <laughs> that went for quite a while. I love Kostaki. Yeah, he went on for 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. It's like he just kept going, but... Kostaki is one of the nicest guys I've ever worked with in my entire life. Just a really, really good guy. For new listeners, he does uh, quick snaps, which is basically jokes about football picks. Is, is basically what it is. He does football picks, but he also he makes complete jokes of them, so it's one of those kind of deals. You know what I'm saying. Um... One quick story that I want to get to, because we have a guest coming up in the next segment, so I want to make sure we get out on time. One of the most familiar names in American guns has filed for bankruptcy. Remington Outdoor sought the protection Sunday. Can you believe Remington has filed for bankruptcy? Uh, They sought the protection Sunday amid declining sales and high-profile legal trouble related to the Sandy Hook shooting, reports the Wall Street Journal. One other notable part of the financial trouble, the company would likely be in better shape, had Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election, notes CNBC. Sales dropped more than 30% to $600 million in 2017, apparently because buyers were not concerned about tougher gun laws coming into force under President Trump. The company's products include the Bushmaster AR-15 rifle used in the shooting, the school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, In 2012, several families sued, and the closely watched case has reached the state Supreme Court. Why would you sue the gun maker?
1: Yeah, you can't do that. That just doesn't make any sense.
0: Because somebody used a hunting rifle? I don't know. The AR-15 is an assault rifle, though, isn't it?
1: No. Well, assault rifles doesn't mean anything to begin with. Well,
0: that's true. It doesn't really mean anything. You're right about that. So I don't know what to tell you. Remington, which is headquartered in North Carolina, will continue to make guns while under bankruptcy protection reports, CNN. So we shall see what comes of it all. but. I don't really understand how you sue the gun company, the person who made the gun for something somebody did with their product.
1: Yeah, there is no way that they're going to win that case.
0: You hit me with your Chevrolet, therefore I'm suing General Motors. Yeah, that's
1: the thing. If they do win that case, then that means if I stab you with a knife, the knife makers, they're never going to allow that.
0: We'll be right back. Special guest coming up in a couple minutes, Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first MyPillow, and I love it. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutrimost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutrimost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds are going fast. I've lost over 33 pounds. Nutrimost is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you, too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a second free informational dinner, and I might uh, show up at it. Learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner. It's Monday, April 23rd, 6 p.m. at Jake's City Grill in Plymouth. Located around the corner from Neutromos, just off Highway 55 and 494, space is limited. Call 763-333-7337 to register. That's
2: 763-333-7337.
0: We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. Our special guest, Kate Genovese. How do you, do, you, do, you know, do you pronounce your last name, Genovese, Genovese? Yeah, been, Genovese. Genovese. We pronounce it Genovese. I like it. It's a good name, you know.
2: It's Italian.
0: No. Italian, yes. Are you sure it's Italian, Case. <laughs> we have Mike Molina on the show yeah. with us, so I think he, he would know. It. And what was your family's full name in, in Sicily, Mike? Uh, Molinari. It Mo, was Molinari. Oh. And they shortened Molinari to Molina. Yep. It's like my friend Johnny Castino. His family moved from Italy to the United States, and they thought their name sounded too Italian. It was Castagnino, so they shortened it to Castino. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> nobody could tell. That's Italian. What a story! But I think yeah, it's safe to say all, all of us can make there. pasta. Yes, that's true. All of us can make pasta. And I know, we'll know how to boil, boil it. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Kate Genovese, promoting the book Hat Tricks from Heaven, the story of an athlete in his own prison of addiction. There are many benefits to participating in high school and college sports, but there are also risks few people consider. Every year, thousands of injured athletes are prescribed opioids, and many will become addicted. This opioid crisis, and it is a crisis. Did you mind if I call you Kate? Yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely.
0: Okay. Kate, it just... It is so widespread now, uh, and I, I'm sure the, the way the way that description started out talking about young high school athletes, college athletes, whomever. But I, I don't know the, the the pharmaceutical companies are so aggressive about this. Some of the blame has to be put on oh. them, doesn't it, Kate?
2: Absolutely, they make tons of money by prescribing drugs. Once they started the there's so many people, about 15 years ago, maybe 20, were still pain. They created the OxyContin. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible drug that took the pain away. And then the, the addicts, the people that were addicted, just got a hold of it and, and ran wild with it. And uh, to this day, there are so many people still on it uh, on a regular basis. But... With my son, it's a different story. He had injuries. He had six surgeries from his hockey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he wanted to keep playing. He just loved it, kept playing. Some were minor injuries, but he did one of the shoulder. And um, he was on the drugs for, he was on uh, Percocet for a month. And I told him he needed to get off it. And he said, no, I need it. I need it. I'm going to go back on the ice. I need it. So I said, well, I'm going to the doctor's. We went to the doctor's. I told the doctor how I felt. I had addiction was in my family. I do not want this kid on it. And he looked at me. He looked at Gino, and he wrote out the script for 60 Percocets. And he said to me, your son is not an addict. Stop hanging over him. Can wow. you believe it? Yes, and I was so intimidated. I was so mad at myself for being intimidated, but I was. So I let it go, and I knew right there and then my son had a had an addiction. I could just tell by looking in his eyes. He needed those drugs. He needed them.
0: So you said there's a family uh, family history of addiction, correct?
2: Yes, there is. My father was an alcoholic, and I had a nephew. Uh, twenty three die of uh
0: an overdose <clears throat> eight years ago eight years ago and yeah and gino how long how long ago uh, did this happen to to uh Gino this just happened a year and a half
2: ago
0: just a year and a half ago so it's yeah, pretty, he was thirty It's pretty powerful and awfully uh touching that you would just eighteen months later put out a book to try to keep this from happening to other people's children uh I think people you know Kate i have a huge problem with the pharmaceutical companies owning the night news on abc on nbc on cbs all the stories that they do on 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 their shows to me this is just me talking now i don't I don't don't have any inside uh information here but it, it it just struck me years ago i'm watching the news and every story would make you nervous make you uncomfortable, it would make you so you couldn't sleep, it would give you anxiety. And I thought, I wonder if it's a coincidence that every commercial on the, on the television news, on the networks is sponsored. Every commercial is for pharmaceuticals. Uh,
2: Everyone. It's amazing. <laughs> and they give you the side effects. And who would want to take anything giving the side effects of giving a lot of these drugs, too?
0: Exactly,
2: but but it is it's crazy. They just went it over. But so, with these, um, you know, these these addictive drugs, there's something got to be done to that. To this, it has to be. I don't know what, but something got to be done. That's for sure. My concern is the kids. I I really I, I was a school nurse for a long time, and I I could pick out the kids that were gonna have trouble. I could just tell. Yeah. And really, you know, they they have the signs and. That's what parents can look for. They just pay attention, when, especially like when they're 12, year, 12 years old. Start looking, you know, pay attention to your kids. They mm-hmm. can start smoking pot that early, you know, yeah. check their rooms, everything.
0: You're right. I, I do want to read these two paragraphs to the listeners so they know exactly what we're talking about. It happened okay. to Kate Genovese's son, Christopher John Genovese, who's known as Geno, a hockey standout from Woburn, Massachusetts. In her book, Hat Tricks from Heaven, the story of an athlete in his own prison of addiction by Kate Genovese, shares uh, her son's story and her family's journey with addiction. Hat Tricks from Heaven is the true story about Genovese's son, Gino, who accidentally overdosed at the age of 30 after a long battle with addiction. He was a wonderful son and friend, and people were shocked by his death. A golden boy grows up in a loving family surrounded by friends, effortlessly sailing through high school at the Governor's Academy. Attending college at Assumption College in Worcester, Massachusetts, where he excelled as the captain of their hockey team. What could be wrong? Along with being the captain of the hockey team came six surgeries for sports related injuries that resulted in an escalating opioid addiction. This is the incredible story of a woman's roller coaster ride as she moves from the nonstop joy of mothering to the realization that her son has become a participant in a deadly epidemic. So, uh, you. You knew this was coming. You didn't know his death was coming, obviously, but you knew his problem was coming. Um, but you, you can't possibly blame yourself in any way for not putting a stop to it. You tried to stop it, and you were kind of pushed aside by the doctors.
2: Yeah, we're pushed aside by the doctors, pushed aside by the legal system. You know, they could have done something for him when he um, got in trouble. They... I, I asked that they please just, you know, put handcuffs on him and put him in a um, a facility, you know, like a not a jail, but a um, rehab or something. Right. Get him detoxed right. and have him go to a rehab. But instead they, you know, tossed him in jail for a month, and then they said, we still want him in jail. We, we presented him with a, a great rehab we had picked out because... There was nothing in Massachusetts, not one thing. It was winter, no beds available. So we found a good place in Florida, and the judge just looked at us and laughed, and threw the paper we gave him at the lawyer, and he said, this kid's not leaving Massachusetts. What a tragedy. He could have been saved. They let him come home on house arrest, which was even worse, because he had to daily go to the sheriff's office and get urine tested, have, um, you know, groups on what drugs can do to you. But all he did is meet people that were older than him, that were in the system a lot longer than him, and he just got worse as when he went on to heroin and fentanyl. So that's and what
0: that's did happen. And that's how he died. Um, at 30 years old, where, where was he when, he when he died?
2: Well, fortunately, he was home. I guess, fortunately, he was home. I was away. I was away for a night with my brothers and sisters, and my husband was home with them. And they were watching TV, and uh, about 10 o'clock, and Gina was fine, and they were, you know, both of them big coffee fans and baseball fans, and, you know, just just what son and brother do, and my husband said about 11, he was going to bed, and he saw the... Lights on downstairs. A couple hours later, and went down and found him on the floor.
0: So he had to—he had to be the one to give you a call to tell you what had happened.
2: Oh, actually, he called my daughter.
0: Okay. And
2: my daughter do- and my daughter met him at the hospital. So Jesse called me, and I just—I just couldn't believe her. I so hard to believe her. I was um, taken back, but fortunately, I was with my family and my sister Carrie was very religious. And, he sat me down in the bed and we just held hands and prayed until six in the morning came because it was two thirty and we couldn't leave and so that's what happened and and then that's what happened and then you know unfortunately he well fortunately he had tons of people at his wake he was very popular four hundred kids came and he just you know, I I was in shock but when I got out of shock I said. Well, I can't sit around feeling sorry for myself. I just cannot mm-hmm. do that. I am not that kind of person. So I decided to write this
0: book. Wow, well, I think it's. It, and I. Yeah. You were saying. And so. I
2: wrote it to help people.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, Kate, I I am sitting here on the show and, uh, about five feet from my 31-year-old son Andy. And I can't imagine the the pain that you must have felt when you got the uh, information, particularly because you knew it was it was coming, and there's nothing you could do about it, whether it was Gino or the doctors or the authorities, whatever. You tried many times to stop it, and you, and and no one would let you stop it. Correct? Nobody
2: listened. No, nobody listened to us. You know, from the systems, you know, they just didn't <laughs> probation offices. They need some class. You know, they, right. they, first of all, there's not enough of them. But then they need to know how to treat these kids because they're, they're just taking them and tossing them in jail. One place, though, in Gloucester, I don't know if you know Gloucester, yeah. Massachusetts, yeah. the the um, police there are taking the kids that are caught and they are putting them in rehab now, putting them in detoxes, and figuring out where they need to go. Right. So that's a step. That is a good step. And I wish it could happen in my town, but nothing
0: like that has happened. Uh, The book is available everywhere. Hat Tricks from Heaven is available online from Amazon or in all bookstores. I hope the book becomes huge uh, because you put your heart and soul into it. And who knows how many lives you're going to save with this book. We all wish that you could have saved Gino's life, uh, but possibly... Uh, you could use your anguish and you have used your anguish and, and your hurt to maybe save who knows how many lives. So I'm hoping hat tricks from heaven, the story of an athlete in his own prison of addiction. And it's a great way to describe it, by the way, the prison of addiction, because once they, they get hooked, they have to take it. Otherwise it just, it's far too painful, right? Absolutely.
2: And, and if you read the book, it is way
0: painful.
2: It just, it's, it's in their brain. You know, now right, it's, right. It's, it's caught them, and they have
0: to do it. That makes total sense. It's Kate, terrible. thank you so much for taking time to, to come on the show today and talk about your son and talk about your own story. And uh, God bless you. Uh, we, we hope all the best for you. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Give
0: your son Andy a hug now. I'll I will definitely <laughs> do that. You brought tears all to right. my eyes with that one, Kate. Thank you. Have a, all right. Have a wonderful thank day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Her name is Kate Genovese, or Genovese is how she pronounces it, G-E-N-O-V-E-S-E. Uh, story. Can you imagine getting that phone? Andy, I can't even imagine if I got the phone call that said you were dead. I mean, I, it, it would be unbearable. And this woman knew it was coming. That's the worst part of it. She knew that if he didn't get off those opiates, he was going to end up dead. Mm-hmm. And exactly what she uh, saw coming is exactly what happened because he put him in jail instead of putting him in a treatment facility, so... What pain that woman has gone through. Unbelievable. That's a very hard interview to do, something like that, talking to somebody about losing a family member. She knew it was coming. She was hoping it wouldn't, obviously, you know, hoping against hope that someday uh, something would happen or there'd be a cure or he, he would someday stop, but he never did, and it took his life at, at 30, 30 years old. Thank you again to Kate Genevieve for being with us. Hat tricks from heaven. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Tom Bernard's show.